spirit. Amen. Today in the house of God, I want to walk after the spirit. Amen. And not after the flesh. And from that uh, verse, I want to talk about a theology of the spirit. If you had to go to a, a chapter in the Bible to get a theology about something, Romans chapter 8 would help you with that theology <clears throat> of the spirit. Amen. Praise God. All is well today. Sister Shelley, I think, took some medication in it, got her blood pressure out of whack, so she is going home. We pray that God would help her today and bring strength to her, along with anyone else that is suffering from any malady, disease, sickness, trouble, <clears throat> difficulty. Amen. I'm thankful that God's a God that brings strength to us. Amen. Praise God. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word today. We ask that you would direct us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. It goes on, verse number two, and says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Today in the house of God, as we have come to this place, we understand based upon this text, you cannot please God in the flesh. You cannot please God in your carnality. Amen. But a theology of the spirit is a transformation takes place in your life that gives you the ability not to live according to your own passions and to your own carnality, but you can live according to the Holy Ghost that is in your life. I'm thankful today that the Holy Ghost is alive and well. I'm thankful that it started in the first century in an upper room and it poured out into the streets. Hallelujah. Some would say, well, that was just for that day. It's not for today. But you've come too late to tell me because the Holy Ghost has been poured out in my life. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so from this point on, you need the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you need to receive the Holy Ghost. I don't want to walk according to my own carnal nature, but I want to walk according to the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the anointing of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the peace of God. Hallelujah. Do we all agree in this house today that the Holy Ghost is important, that the Holy Ghost is valuable? Anybody here today say it's more than all of the treasures in the world? Finance couldn't buy it. You couldn't put enough money on it. But thank God that he saw fit in me to pick me out of the miry clay and fill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And today I can walk in peace and I can walk in life. I can walk in freedom. I can walk in liberty. I'm not going to be ruled by my own carnal nature and by my own passions and by my own will. Come on, somebody help me this morning. Hallelujah. But I'm going to walk according to the present. I'm not going to walk according to addiction. I'm not going to I'm not going to walk according to my failures. I'm not going to walk according to my weakness. Oh, I wish I had an apostolic in the house that was awake this morning. I'm, I'm going to walk according to the Holy Ghost that is in my life. Is there anybody in this place that hears what I'm saying today? Hey, is there anybody hearing what I'm saying today? The Holy Ghost.
The Holy Ghost is awesome. The Holy Ghost is value. The Holy Ghost is important. I need the theology of the Spirit in my life. I don't want to walk according to the flesh, but I want to walk according to the Spirit. If you're here today and you're tired of walking in the flesh, let me tell you, there's still a church that preaches you need to get in the Spirit of God. You need to get in the presence of God. enough to wake you up? This is the first time we've ever tested this out. Is that enough to wake you up? No? All right, turn it up. Let's try this. We got to get this right. Is that it? Some thumbs up. Higher, say some. Is that better? What? A little more? All right. Sister Jeannie, is that it? Okay, that's it. Praise God. Brother Brian put a steel rod in that so it wouldn't break. But he also gave me this Thor's hammer that is made out of a, a... a beam, and it says on there, keep hammering the word. So if that's not enough, we'll bring that out. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. The law of sin, whether it's the Old Testament law, the Old Testament law could cast judgment, but it could not give power to overcome. Whether it's that law of sin that Paul is referring to here, and I I think that it is found in this because he says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So the Old Testament law could point out all of the ways that you were a sinner but it didn't give you the power to overcome the sin that you were in. And that was the weakness of it. So the righteousness of the law in the Old Testament needed needed a fulfillment and a culmination in something that was more powerful. So whether he's talking about the Old Testament law, you, you if, if you did something wrong, there was a list or a law that prescribed what your sin was and gave you what you must do in order to take care of those sins. So you would bring a a goat or a lamb or a turtle dove or you would bring all kinds of grains or wave offerings. You would present those to the Lord. Uh, And so you, you had to acknowledge your weakness or your failure, but it didn't help you overcome those weaknesses or failure. This is why God manifested himself, came in the flesh as the ultimate sacrifice and for sin to condemn sin in the flesh, to say to sin in that sacrifice and through Calvary, I'm going to provide the power that is necessary to measure up to the written code in the law. I'm going to give you the ability to be an overcomer. Amen. I'm going to give you the ability to rule over your own passions rather than being ruled by your passion. So whether he's talking about the Old Testament law in that regard or whether he's talking about the universal law of carnality. Amen. You cannot get spiritual being carnal. <laughs> it's a universal law. You can't get close to God by walking around in the flesh. And when I say the flesh, I'm not talking about sarks. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the carnal nature. God created us, and he created us with flesh. He created us with the ability to do what we do and the function of who we are. But within us is a carnal nature. And so when flesh is described, we're not talking about going out and taking a whip and beating ourselves because uh, the flesh somehow is bad. That's an old understanding, old theology, and in some places in the world they will still do that. 
They will flagellate themselves, beat themselves to a bloody pulp because they think their flesh is negative. And so that's the way that they try to correct it. What, what's being referred to here is a, is a universal law of carnality. This morning, you had to fight your carnality to get up out of bed to get here. Why, why is it that every single day it's easy to get up, but Sunday morning rolls around and it's hard to get out of bed? It's because it's our carnal nature. Thank God that we overruled the carnal nature and we said, I'm going to the house of God today. Hallelujah. I'm going to be in the presence of God. I'm going to, I'm going to get closer in the spiritual than, than walking around in my fleshly carnal nature. So whether he was referring to the Old Testament law, which it's pretty plain, he he's, says that specifically, but then he also says the carnal mind is an enemy against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot please God if you're in the flesh. This is the theology of the spirit. If you're going to be spiritual, you're going to have to let the spirit rule your life. Amen. You can't walk around in the carnal. And our world promotes the realm of carnality. Thank God that there is a church that promotes the realm of spirituality. We, we, we're in big, big trouble if we come in here and promote the realm of carnality. You want to blow up a church real fast, just start preaching and promoting carnality. You won't have a church. Amen. But if you come into the house of God and you say, it's still important that we live according to what God has placed in our heart and life, that we walk according to the anointing of God and the presence of God. Amen. And that we champion and that we preach and that we teach and that we worship that the spiritual life is better than the carnal life. I don't care what the world tells you, how it markets it, how it markets sins, paints a pretty picture. At the end of the pretty picture is a failure, is degradation, is dysfunction. And somewhere somebody has said, I've been fooled. I've bought into something that wasn't reality. It was an illusion. Can I tell you the best place to get a grip of reality is in the house of God where we walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Reality is Reality is that he pulled me out of the miry clay. Reality is he gave me something of value. Amen. And he describes it here as life and peace. Life and peace. Amen. Praise God. Verse number nine, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. This verse tells us, according to a theology of spirituality, you must have the Holy Ghost. Amen. It says that if Christ, uh, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I know this is somewhat polemical. You have to have the Holy Ghost. Amen. It is not, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a secondary gift. It is part of a new birth experience. Amen. Some people say, well, that's just a secondary gift. That's something that the early church that they did. Listen, if it was a secondary gift, we would not have such a pronouncement of the spirit in that early church where they were baptizing in Jesus name and they were being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they were speaking in tongues. This is exactly what Jesus was saying when he said, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth and no man know from whence it cometh. So is the spirit. The Holy Ghost comes in your life and provides to you an opportunity to be transformed. And in this passage of scripture, he said, you have to have the spirit or you're none of his. That means I need the Holy Ghost. Amen. That, that's not a, well, do I have to have it? It's a, I need it. I want it. It's a gift of God. Why would you refuse a gift of the Holy Ghost when it is spirit and life instead of carnality and 
and death. Anybody here today thankful for the Spirit of God? Hallelujah. That Spirit, that power. That spirit or that power in you is the same power that raised up Jesus out of the grave. Praise God. They put him in a tomb thinking it was over. There was going to be no recognition of life ever again in the master. The disciples were worried and afraid, but he came up out of the grave with power and authority because the spirit that was in him is all powerful and a grave could not hold him. The same power and same spirit that was in Jesus that raised him up out of the grave is the same power and the same spirit that is in you that is going to raise you out of a grave and provide to you eternal life. There is no grave that is going to keep me down. There is no power of death that is going to restrict me or limit me or hold me because the same power that was in Jesus is the same power that is in me. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a rocket fuel that throws off the limitations of earthly existence and allows heaven to come down and reside. It's my power. It's my fuel. It's, it's what gives me the ability to fight off every devil and demon and spirit from hell. Praise God. If you're here today... <laughs> You, you just might need a little more rocket fuel. <laughs> Praise God. You, you just not, might need to pull up and say, okay, okay, God, fill me up. Fill me up. Did you know this is the reason why in the book of Acts that there is a, there's a, there's a phrase there that is mentioned often. Peter being filled with the Spirit. Peter being filled with the Holy Ghost. Everywhere you look in the, in the book of Acts, you get filled with the Spirit. I just want to say something to you today. If you're struggling today, be filled with the Spirit. Be full of the Holy Ghost in your life. Amen. There is a world that will try to destroy you. Amen. There, there is a promotion, promulgation, prognostication. There's all kinds of stuff that will try to sway you and keep you from your divine purpose. Amen. I'm preaching to you today that if you're filled with the Spirit, you'll be able to overcome because in this chapter, you are declared more than an overcomer. You say, Brother Bradford, I came here today and I don't feel like much of anything, let alone an overcomer. I'm telling you the spirit on the inside of you is greater than your feelings. Praise God. And that anointing and that power is able to give you a boost in the spirit and the anointing. I may have come feeling weak, but I'm leaving feeling strong because of his power, his ability, his anointing. Praise God. I feel that. I feel it. I feel it this morning. Amen. You say, well, how do you know that? Because I've gotten phone texts and conversations this morning of people that are fighting and people that are battling. You're not going to win in carnality. It's, it's, it's going to be a losing proposition if you try to fight your battles with your own self and your own abilities. Oh, but thanks be to God <laughs> that gives us the victory that is more powerful than my struggles or my difficulties. Is there anything that's stronger than death? Is there anything that can close you off more than the grave? I don't know anything that is greater. And he rose with power and ability. And that same power is in you, sir. That same power and ability is afforded to you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Samson. We have examples in the Old Testament of individuals that were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Samson, David, specific tasks and abilities that individuals accomplished because of the Holy Ghost being on them. Samson tore apart a lion, carried the gates of the city to a hill. Those ancient gates were... <clears throat> That's a Herculean effort in ancient cities to take the gates and walk them to the top of a hill. He took down a building by pushing on pillars. He defeated 
1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He tied 300 foxtails together and destroyed the crops. So when the Holy Ghost moved on him, he was very, very powerful. He was walking in his spirituality. Amen. One of the greatest messages I have ever heard was a youth convention some years ago by Brother Scott Graham. He got up and he said, I'm going to preach one message for the entire convention, and I'm going to preach four points. And each night is one of the points in the whole message. I thought, ah, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Never heard anybody do that before. He said, I'm going to preach on Samson. And so his four points were <clears throat> Samson captured the foxes. And he preached about how that's unnatural. A man is not supposed to put his hands on a fox. And then he related that to God putting his hands on you. That's an unnatural thing. And, and we feel that unnatural. But God starts molding and shaping us and fashioning us. And even though it feels unnatural, God's doing a work in our life. Wow. I mean, incredible. The kids, it was a commitment service there praying. So the next night he preached, Samson tied the fox's tails together. Wow. You got to be tied to some things. And then he went off into doctrine, repentance and baptism, the Holy Ghost and oneness of God, separation from the world. You got to be tied to some things. Amazing. I couldn't believe it. Third night. Third night, he said, Samson, lit their tails on fire. Woo, lit their tails on fire. You got to be fired up. You got to be full of the Holy Ghost. He went into the Holy Ghost appearing like tongues of fire, sat upon each of them. Fire, fire, fire. Place went just crazy. So I thought, well, man, that's the, that seems to be like the, the big part of the message. What's the last part? Can you, can you, get, can you get to the last part? Caught them, he tied their tails, he set their tails on fire, and then what did he do? You remember that, don't you, Brother Nate? He sent, he sent the foxes into the Philistines' camp, burned down all their. He said, at some point, you got to be sent out. You got to go out. You got to do some things. You got to testify. You got to teach Bible studies. You got you to go out there. Wow. Samson did some amazing things in the spirit, and yet at the same time, he had his eye on the women of the Philistines. He messed around with riddles and games with the enemy. He succumbed to Delilah. He found himself grinding at the meal with his eyes out. Amen. So there is something to be said about walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. You can't walk in the flesh because walking in the flesh is not going to help me in my purpose. It's not going to help me in my pursuing what God wants me to be. I want to walk in the spirit. So there is a word that is said in chapter 8 of how important it is to let the Holy Ghost operate. Verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Everyone say die. You will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify. Mortify means to destroy. The deeds of the body you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You will die living after the flesh. No matter how positive, secular culture tries to paint it, market it, promote it, and even force it. And we are living in a, in a world right now where there is a, a forced, a forced, a forced move to make you abide by, to control you, to direct you. It's, it's, it's not going to get better. It is going to get worse if we're going to allow this move toward totalitarianism to dictate how we're supposed to think and what we're supposed to do or not do. This is the environment that we live. It's going to get harder as a church to say, I believe with conviction in things that are in the Bible, 
because it's going to be defined as hate speech. People are going to cancel you. People are going to ridicule you. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Do I need to hit this? Do I, do I need, do you realize this is the age that we live in? And we better get some convictions about who we are and what we are. We've got to be, we've got to be righteous, godly, and kind. But you're going to have to take a stand for some things or somebody's going to tell you what to think and what to do. I'm sorry, I can't go that direction because the one that tells me what to think and what to do is found in this chapter. If I walk according to my carnal mind, I am going to be lost and die a spiritual death. I've got to be led by the Holy Ghost in my life and the Spirit of God in my life. The Word of God has to direct me. Not secularism, not culture, not pop culture, not politicians. What directs me is the Word of God. That's what has to define me praise God praise God praise God you may have said well I don't like these folks or that folk and I I want something to change and something to be different our mentality has to be focused through the kingdom of God and the word of God not all these other things because if you allow those things to direct you and control you you're going to be absolutely miserable. But if the Holy Ghost is directing you and guiding you, praise God, these scriptures have such great, great value. We are debtors not to the flesh, but we are debtors to the spirit. Why do I owe a debt to the spiritual things? Because God gave me life and peace. God did so many amazing things and gave me the Holy Ghost. I'm a debtor to what he has done. I'm not a debtor to the flesh and the enemy of my soul. But I certainly do want to pay back a debt as much as I possibly can because I realize how much Jesus Christ accomplished for me at Calvary and the blood that is still effective today, even today. If you've got sin in your life, there is a God that can wash you, a God that can cleanse you. Is there a witness in this place? You may have stepped into this place with unresolved sin, but there is a God based on Calvary that can wash your mind, cleanse you renew you in the Holy Ghost and give to you a hope. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You are a child of God, no matter what the enemy says. What is in you is your witness. What is in you defines you. David said to Goliath, he said, you come to me with spear, sword, and stave, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The God of the host of the army of Israel. What defines me is the one that I have a walk with. I'm a witness to his power and his ability. The witness of who you are is in you. No matter what the enemy says, what is in you is the witness. Praise God. We have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. When Jesus adopted me... Amen. I was adopted into his family. Now, listen, you may have had father figures and fathers that were not the best for you. Praise God. But you got a heavenly father that is the best than any father could ever, 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 ever be. People are going to disappoint us. But I can tell you, God will... will God will never disappoint you. Praise God. His, his holiness and his righteousness is not disappointing. Did, did you know there are times when I feel like such a failure that, God, I'm not what you need me to be. I'm not what you need to be. I wish I could do better, but, you know, I've never, ever pointed the finger at God and said, you know, I think you could have done better. I think you could be better. I wish you would do this or that. No, I don't because I recognize how powerful Calvary really, really is and what he has done for me. I'm not pointing the finger at God. Hallelujah. But I am saying there's a God with a strong arm of power and ability. Amen. His arm is not short that it cannot reach it. There's a right hand of authority and ability that is able to give you strength and authority and healing because that's the kind of God I serve. I'm not dissatisfied with God. I'm dissatisfied with other people. I'm dissatisfied with the world, but I'm not dissatisfied with God. I don't want to be skunked. I don't want the stink to be on me. Brother Dave Powell is here. He was in the hospital. He's doing really well. Praise God. He's looking good this morning. He had a heart surgery. What did you have? 
Five blockages. You have five blockages. Whew. Doctor said, Dave, your heart's good. You're athletic. You run, jump, shoot baskets, do all this. You've done that all your life. But your diet's terrible. Ooh, take that as a lesson here this morning, y'all. Those biscuits and gravy, no matter how much you work out. <laughs> I'm being facetious. Go ahead and eat your biscuits and gravy. It's good. He said you're going to have to change your diet because your, your, your arteries are hardened. So five blockages. So I went to the hospital to see him. They said he's in the hospital. <clears throat> and uh, back in those days, <laughs> back in those days, the ministry actually was supposed to go see people in the hospital. You can't get in the hospital now. Unless you're vaccinated and have two masks on. They won't let you in. Sad. It's really sad. People have died in the hospital away from family members. That's sad. That is really, really sad. Brother Brett Grogan, his brother, went into the hospital. They were trying to get information. Couldn't get the right information. And so finally he said, I'm going to go down there and visit him and find out what's going on. He went down there. They wouldn't even let him in. And then the next day or two, his brother died. This is not good. This is not good. Anyway, what, I can't get off on that. So I went to see him. <clears throat> and I had just been out for a run with Axel in the orchards. And uh, it was uh, kind of in the springtime when all of the animals come out from their dens in the winter. <clears throat> And at night, they come out because they're nocturnal. So it was kind of dark. And I was running through the orchards with Axel in the almond orchards. And he came upon a skunk. And uh, <laughs> I was trying to communicate him, tell him that's not a good idea. But he was not listening. And so he got a little too close. But I didn't think it was close enough to really, you know, I mean, it wasn't a certain distance. He didn't get right up on him. But. My understanding is they can shoot you from like 30 feet away. So I didn't quite realize that. But uh, I didn't think it was close enough. So on the run, I get the call. Brother Dave Powell's in the hospital. And uh, so I said, well, I'll go visit him. Well, I got back in and I put the dog up. And I thought, I'll just run to the hospital. People are not going to care if I'm not in a suit, if I go to the hospital and show up. It doesn't matter what I'm in. They're just going to appreciate the fact I came to the hospital. Riding a bike, here you are. That's okay. So I thought, well, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just go to the hospital. So I put the dog up, jumped in the car, took off to the hospital. You know, it's funny. I didn't smell anything on the way there. <laughs> but when I got in the hospital room and standing around chit-chatting, every once in a while, something would like waft and the nurse was coming in and out, and she was coming in and out, taking care of stuff. And I, I felt so guilty because nobody, that's what sin will do, right? It's like a guilt on you, and then you start, you start, you get nervous, and you say stuff and do stuff because of your guilt. And I felt so guilty because nobody was saying anything. Nobody was saying, hey, it smells like a skunk in here. Who's that? Nobody was saying it. But I knew they had to be smelling what I was smelling. And so finally, I just gave up. I said, I'm sorry, you all, but if it smells like a skunk in here, it's because my dog came across a skunk before I came here. And I apologize. I'm, I'm really sorry. And the nurse said, well, yeah, I smelled it, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't know who it was. She said, she said, well, it was me and my wife, but she wasn't going to think it was my wife. So, I mean, I'm, I'm the only culprit there. When you live your, <laughs> you remember that, Brother Powell? You didn't smell it. When it's I would have probably been okay if I hadn't have said anything. The stink is on you when you're living in carnality. It dogs your tracks. You can't get rid of it. It's guilt. It is guilt. Praise God. But this scripture said you're a child of God. 
we cry out, Abba, Father. We are identified by his anointing. And there's a key point that I have to make right here before I move on. The Holy Ghost identifies us. If we've got problems and difficulties and failures and circumstances in our life, amen. The problem, this is very, very important. The problem is not the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> the problem is not the Spirit of God. The problem is, is completely me. Praise God. I, I can't turn around and point the finger and say, well, I, I could overcome this struggle and this, this addiction, or I could overcome this weakness, or I could overcome this failure, or I could overcome these temptations, or I could overcome if there was just more power in the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, you got all the power you need wrapped up in the theology of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you, you can make it. You can do it. You can overcome because he wouldn't have paid a price and filled us with his spirit if it, if it would have been inadequate, if it would not have been enough. He gave us everything that we need to be what we need to be. The Holy Ghost in our life so the problem is not the Holy Ghost it has to be elsewhere amen it has to be with us praise God so it's the spirit the, the notion that Paul is saying is what, what identifies you is the Holy Ghost not only does it identify you verse 17 and if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ not heirs, heirs, heirs of God and joint heir with Christ. <laughs> I heard somebody get up and exhort and say, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, boy. Heirs, joint heirs. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Amen. He has made us heirs and joint heirs with him. So not only am I identified by his presence, oh, this is good. This is really, really good. Not only am I identified by his anointing in my life, but he also grants me into his family. He invites me into his family and he grants to me the benefits of his work. Praise God. I am a joint heir. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not everything that he is, but because of his ability, he invites me in to be a joint heir with him. So whatever Jesus is, he identifies me, but then he invites me into his family to participate in all the benefits that he provides. Praise God. Anybody need peace today? You can have peace if you are a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Amen. You need joy in the house of God. Some people just walk around with their head down. They look so dissatisfied with life. Praise God. They need joy, unspeakable and full of glory. You shouldn't walk around with a frown on your face, a scowl on. Praise God. Brother Gilbert Hernandez told me one time, are you mad, bro? He's from the east side, so he talks kind of like that. Are you mad, bro? I said, no, I'm not mad. Why? I said, because sometimes when you talk to me, you have a scowl on your face. I said, I'm sorry, Brother Gilbert. I'll try to correct that because it's not intentional. Evidently, I've just got into a habit of scowling. <clears throat> you need to have people close to you to tell you, you know, you need to stop scowling. Why don't you smile? You're, 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 you're verbal and nonverbal. You can, you can speak words and meanings without saying a word. Right? Nonverbally. You can cut somebody to their core just by looking at them as if they are detestable. Listen. If the Holy Ghost is in my life and I'm a joint heir with him, then I get the benefits of everything that he provides. Peace, joy, goodness, favor, blessing. These are things that he provides. Counsel, power. 
everything that Jesus, healing, everything that Jesus is, I have opportunity to participate in because he makes me a joint heir with him. Hallelujah. We should be very, very thankful that we're not on the outside of the family, but we're on the inside of the family. We're not on the outside of the benefits, but we're on the inside of the benefits. Whatever you need in the house of God, you can receive in the house of God because he invites you in. He identifies you by his power. And then he blesses you with everything that he has. I'm not going to the worlds of carnality. I'm coming to the house of God. I'm not looking out somewhere in a culture. I'm looking to the word of God. Because in the word of God, I find power. In the word of God, I find strength. In the word of God, I find anointing. There should be a smile on my face. There should be a thankfulness in my heart. Amen. Praise God. Don't be an assassin with the way that you look. My goodness. Would we ever put an assassin, a nonverbal assassin, at the door for people to come in? I came in this morning. Brother Brian Gregg was standing there. Good to see you. I felt good just because of the way he responded to me. Would we put somebody that would scowl at people when they came in? If we're not careful, we, 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 we develop that mentality, and it becomes a part of who we are. I hope your husband or your wife can look at you and say, you need to get some sunglasses because you're scowling. Okay, baby, I'm going to get some good sunglasses to make me look good. So, way that you interact with people, I don't even know why I'm on this. Listen, some of you, if I walked in that lobby, you would purposely ignore me because I don't know, you're insecure. I don't know. But just know this, I've already been around the block. I'm going to go out of my way and get in your space and say, praise God, how are you doing? Don't do that. When somebody walks into a room, acknowledge these are, I mean, is this part of some book? How to uh, influence people, gain friends, and end up broke? I don't know. What, what is that? What? When somebody walks up, acknowledge them. Hi. Say hi. Praise God, Sister Marianne. Sister Marianne is, she's not quite as energetic. Because she had how many bypass? Two bypass and what else? Coming up. You've got more procedures. Two more. Praise God. But she's in the house of God. Praise God. Where I <clears throat> Amen. I don't even know where I am. What, what, what's going on? What am I talking about? Smiling, <laughs> greeting one another, <laughs> encouraging people. Thank God for, for people that meet us at the door with a smile on their face. Did you know, I tell this story all the time, and I'm going to tell it until the day I die. There was somebody that started to come in, and they turned around right at the door because they didn't feel like they, they were dressed properly. And whoever it was at the door, I don't know who they were. They said, no, you can't leave. You can't leave. That does What matters is that you come in here and worship with us. That's what matters. Don't worry about the way that you're dressed. God will take care of all that somewhere down the road. Just come and enjoy the service. And they came in because somebody was attentive to that. that we're not going to teach convictions and standards, but it's surely going to mean that we're going to be open and kind to everybody. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Lord. I just blew this whole thing up. Okay, the last part. So what have, what have we discussed here this morning? He defines us according to his spirit. He gives us the benefits by making us a joint heir with him. Man, God is so good. I mean, is there anybody here that would say, yeah, I deserve that. Yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I deserve that. Is there anybody here that would do that? 
Raise your hand so I can talk to you after church. No, because we all know if it was not for the grace of God. I mean, we say that so many times that sounds like cliche. But if it were not for the grace of God, where would you be? I mean, really, really think about it. Where would you be? Where would you be? Who knows where you would be? Amen. Who knows where you would be? I don't deserve to be. I mean, I deserve to be defined by my problems and difficulties. Really, I do. Because I've been responsible for some of them. And yet God says, I'm going to put my spirit in you and I'm going to define you by my spirit that's in you. That's going to be the witness in you. Praise God. And then not only that, he invites us to participate in his blessings and benefits. Wow, God is so very good. But if, and if that, if that is powerful, wait until you hear this. Verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Then he gets down to verse 26. He's talking about the whole creation is groaning and travailing because it's looking for something. It's expecting something that is greater. And then he says in verse 26, likewise, the spirit also, Brother McAllister, if you would come. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be. Praise God. God, knowing our infirmities, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That sometimes when I feel like I'm in the crucible of struggle, God not only defines me by his presence and his spirit, he not only invites me to the benefits of what that means, but then he also intercedes on my behalf with groanings which cannot be uttered. God prays for us through his spirit and intercedes on our behalf through his spirit that is in us. Is there anybody thankful? I'm thankful for people that pray for me. You know, my grandmother prayed for me every single day. Every time I would talk to her, she would tell me, son, I'm praying for you. I prayed for you today. And I didn't take that as, you know, just something she was saying because in growing up, every single day, I heard her pray. So when she said, I'm, I prayed for you, I knew that she did. Every single day, she'd find a place of prayer. She was a praying, praying woman. And that meant very, very much to me. Didn't mean a whole lot to me when I was younger. Didn't mean a whole, I actually kind of, rejected it when I was a teenager. I thought that's, you know, that's but as I grew older I recognized and realized the value of of a praying grandmother. Mm. And I appreciate people that pray. But can you imagine that Jesus through his anointing and his spirit and his presence prays for it's one thing for me to say I'm praying for you. It's quite another to read this passage of scripture that the Holy Ghost prays for me even when I don't even know what I should be praying. It prays for me with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praise God. Man, 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 man. God knows where you are today, sir. God knows where you are, man. And the Holy Ghost is praying and interceding for you. There's people that intercede and they pray for you and they pray that God's blessing and favor would be upon your life. But man, to know that God is praying and seeking and interceding on your behalf. Praise God. No matter what circumstance you go through, difficult you go through, God's interceding. Can we just for a moment right now pray and ask that God, that his power and his ability would touch people in the house of God here today and maybe they're not even in the house of God today maybe they're watching online I don't know 
Praise God. I pray that, God, there would be an intercession that would go forth in the heart and life of somebody that's facing difficult circumstances or, or that wants a change in their life. They don't want to walk according to a world of carnality and walking in the flesh. Praise God. But they, they want an opportunity to walk in the Spirit. I pray that the gift of the Holy Ghost is, is open and available to them, Lord. Praise God. In the midst of struggles and difficulties and sometimes, sometimes, one of the hardest verses you'll ever come across is also found in Romans chapter 8. It's talking about the Spirit. It's talking, I mean, we've, we've identified some key points, but one of the hardest verses to ever, ever come to an acknowledgement is verse number uh, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Everything works together for good. What about situations where things are not so good? What about calamity striking? How can that be good? What about when children die? What about when buildings topple and lives are lost and marriages disintegrate and commitments are broken? The news floors you. How, how can rally yourself somehow to take this verse at its face value. I think it's found in the end of verse 31 when the question is asked, what shall we say then to these things? Here it is. If God be for us, who can be against us? God, if God is for me, who can be against me? There may be struggles and circumstances that are insurmountable, but I know that God is for me. Amen. And that's what I'm hanging on to. I may be hanging on by a thread because I'm trying to figure all this out, but this one thing I know, that God is for us. And if God is for me, who can be against me? As we stand together, praise God, in the house of God. There's a treasure somewhere in what you're going through. Amen. There's a treasure in the rebel. You may not see it, but it's there. It's there. It's so much there that at the end, Paul said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Not just a conqueror, but we're more than. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. When you walk in the Spirit, there's all of these things that come into play, and your life is all of a sudden centered in God's goodness and God's grace not in the dysfunction of carnality. Praise God. Amen. As we pray and as they prepare to sing this morning. Amen. Could we absorb that God's presence and ability is what defines us? Hallelujah. It, it gives to us the benefits of His anointing. It intercedes on our behalf. It steps in when things look traumatic and says, there's nothing that can separate you from me. I need you. 